Straight Talk Live, exploring human, digital, and social transformations. Welcome to Straight Talk Live. I am your host, Rick Snyder, and we are joined by my co-host, Af Maholtra. And Straight Talk Live is a nonprofit, and we are really passionate about the conversations that we need to be having in our post-pandemic world, especially around human transformation, digital transformation, social impact. And we're now actually live on audio podcast. If you go to iTunes or Spotify, if you want to see any of our past shows or this show replayed, and then you can also find us live, of course, on YouTube, Facebook, and um, here we are now. So I am very excited about this show in particular, but I first want to introduce my co-host, Af Maholtra. Af, do you want to say a little bit about you and what has you excited about today's show? For sure, Rick. Um, again, what a thrilling s- setup we have today. Two very beautiful souls with a lot of experience and incredible energy that you will experience in a second. I'm Af Malhotra, the co-host and creator of this fantastic initiative, StraightTalk.Live. I'm also the co-founder of Growth Enabler, an AI disruptor and insights business. And so without further ado, Rick, over to you. Rhyming, and um, <laughs> let's let's see who we've got here. Okay, and uh, just so you know, out there for those who don't know me, uh, my background is um, I have a master's in psychology. I've been really curious about the whole human experience, which we're going to get into very deeply today. CEO of Invisible Edge and the author of Decisive Intuition. And what's what hasn't been intuitive to me is how we've been educating people, including ourselves. When I think about back to my education in the classroom. You know, it was really about memorizing information, regurgitating it back to the teacher um, and or, or for the exam, the standardized test, and then forgetting it probably by next weekend, the following weekend. And I think so many people relate to that from my generation and even more recently, where it kind of begs, you know, what is the point of education? Where has it fallen off the wayside? Um, what happened to critical thinking? What happened to thinking alive in the classroom and having debate and discussion where we can't even have that in the public sector anymore, even on, on, the, greatest, on the biggest stage. We, we don't even have that in the classroom where we've lost that thread. How do teachers and educators inspire that kind of passion and that kind of individuality of thought and uh, research and hunger for learning? And so that's why I'm super excited about today's show, the future of the classroom with two educational mavericks who are on the leading edge in pioneering um, how we need to be doing education moving forward. And they are incredible people. I want to first introduce uh, Jojo Farrell. Jojo, I've known for 25 years. I remember skateboarding to your house a long time ago, and I don't know how to skateboard, but somehow <laughs> I made it there without skinning my elbows and knees. And it began an amazing friendship and collegialship and to see where you have grown in the educational space. Um, and Tanya, I have met uh, actually through Jojo uh, over a year ago in New York City back when we can meet in person, less than six feet, and really was inspired, Tanya, by what you're doing at Adobe and the amazing care and compassion you have and, and, and passion for uh, helping the youth of tomorrow and today. So why don't you both uh, start with a little brief bio of who you are and your, a little bit of your background. How about, uh, Tanya, let's go with you first. First of all, thank you so much for having me, uh, Af and Rick. I really do appreciate uh, the platform and, and I'm uh, extremely 
um, honored to be here. So thank you. Um, and it's, it is so lovely to, to have met you then. And it seems like years ago when it was really so, so little time. So, um, I, I do work at Adobe. I work uh, there as the, um, and my title is, is always a little bit of a mouthful and I don't necessarily know if I love it, at, <laughs> but it's uh, education evangelist, um, which basically means my, my job at Adobe is I'm the voice of educators at Adobe, um, both internally and I, uh, my mission is to really uplift the voices of educators um, both internally at Adobe and uh, through my platform um, as evangelist at Adobe. So I really see this as a service job for teachers and students. Um, so that that's a big part of my role, but it's not so much about um, about what I'm doing, but really what I can help others do in, in, in the space of education. And uh, I also work around uh, teaching and learning. I help districts understand how they can leverage uh, technology and creativity uh, to really empower students. So that's a big part of what I do at Adobe. But more importantly, I'm a teacher. Um, until just this last year, I was teaching full time. Uh, so I, um, I really do understand teaching and learning. I've worked as a consultant and I'm also the co-author of uh, the Google Infused Classroom and the Microsoft Infused Classroom. So uh, really passionate about teaching and learning and where we need to go, not where we've been. Amazing. Thank you. Welcome. Jojo, over to you. So I'm the evangelist for Tanya. That's actually my role. Um, and it's, I love the title. It's actually like, <laughs> it, it suits me perfectly well. Um, I'm here as a New York City educator. Um, I, I teach uh, at Brooklyn College as well in the, the School of Education. So I teach teachers um, that are uh, getting their, their advanced degrees. And I support schools and teachers and how they integrate technology sustainably. Um, I'm also a dad of New York City uh, students. Um, and that's really, that's a huge part of, of me. And I'm really kind of coming from that perspective of a New York City educator, um, a parent of public school students, um, and friend of Rick and evangelist of Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a lot in your resume, Jojo. It's very impressive. <laughs> so let's get right into it. And, um, you know, obviously this whole pandemic has exposed a lot of the where the breakdowns are in so many different infrastructures and education is one of them, especially around technology and how everyone has had to hustle to go remote where it's not just businesses having to go remote, but also the classrooms. You know, I've seen my little niece who's six years old in her ballet tutu looking at a computer screen as her ballet teacher is teaching all of her classmates, you know, in the living room floor and she's doing her moves um, remotely. And it's just like one little example of how everyone's having to adjust and adapt so let's start with that first is what are you seeing on the ground? Like what's being exposed of what is the situation right now around education, technology? What's, where are the gaps? What are you guys seeing on the ground here? So I can start, um, and really as a parent, mm -hmm. um, one of the massive gaps is you are balancing now, you're working full time, um, and then you are the coach or co-educator in the class, you know, of your student's education, your child's education, 
that's a massive gap that we're seeing right now, like 100% COVID. Um, we're looking at how we're going to go back in the fall right now. And we're very, you know, our eyes are peeled. Um, Los Angeles and San Diego and Houston have just announced that they're going to continue with remote. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's who will be next. Um, Miami, Broward, West Palm uh, Beach last night, also remote. And so this is a, like a very intense moment, like breaking um, that gap of, of how do we do education in a different way um, where we've, we've looked at synchronous education in this remote time. Um, and a lot of, I think, school districts have really struggled with how do we m mimic what we were doing in this time. Um, and I don't think we can. I think, um, I know we're, 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 we're looking at where the, the holes are, um, but I think there's, um, there's a lot of excitement around how this is that moment to just think about education differently. Mm. Um, but as far as like some of the gaps in New York, um, we feed 1.1 million students two meals a day for free. Um, so like that's a massive gap. Mm. Um, and I think educators forever, um, and I was a fourth and fifth grade teacher in New York City and then a middle school teacher. And it's, I've had a lot of different, jobs before I was Tanya's evangelist. Um, I, I've worked in a lot of different fields, but being a, an, an elementary school teacher was the hardest and most stressful job that I ever had times 50. And we already, pre-COVID, the, the educators were filling in so many of the gaps in our society. And we were already wearing so many hats. Um, and we're, we're now looking at you know, the f first line of defense of providing childcare for families so they can go back to work. Mm -hmm. So we have a childcare crisis in our country. We have housing crisis in our country. Um, I actually read something the other day and uh, it really struck me. It was during COVID, you will be protected from being evicted from your housing. And it's like, how about, you are protected from being evicted from your housing period, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. having nothing to do with COVID. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just like another massive like social issue. That's now like really bubbling up. Jojo, mm. yeah. Jojo, quick question for me before we, we, um, before Tanya comes in, you talked about, it's very important to understand what roles you've played. Right. Um, and I think you've played multiple roles, of course, as a parent, and then you were a teacher and now you are outside of being Tanya's evangelist. You're also an evangelist for technology and for great brands like Google and others and out there. And you were talking about this just before we started the, um, the show. So t tell me a little bit about, uh, the, uh, the, the status and the mindset of the child or the learner. Um, so we talked about the parent and, and, and by the way, I have new, I'm a, I'm a parent to all of my mates and my friends. We debate this day, day in, day out over glasses of wine. We say, oh my God, how was your day today? It's like nightmare. You know, <laughs> X, Y, Z kid, this, 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 having a bust up here, just can't take it anymore. And of course there's a lot of mental trauma. It's very difficult for us to adjust to this new way 
of living and existing. The child, though, I almost feel we're, we're treating the child like a vehicle or a machine of some sort. It's almost like, right, you're not going to school, right, get in front of the computer, will you? Look, look, five hours, six hours. And by the way, you know, in the UK, if you're not public school or it's not funded by the government, you're paying money. It's private school, right? So then the parents are, you know, spending their lives trying to earn money to spend money on education to give their children a better life are like oh my god half my salary is going into this private school you're not even going to the private school what the hell's going on and there's this level of anxiety panic they're disenfranchised they're now starting to realize that actually the school system was not as glorious or effective as they thought it was but let me go back to my question which is how do you see the learner or the child operating and i think that's for both of you but I just wanted to get your perspective on the ground. So not the, you know, not the high level stuff on the sure. ground. I think it's been just such a mixed bag. Um, and there've been like many approaches that I've, I'm hearing about that, that teachers are taking the best case in the best case. What I'm hearing is students are set up to it's this, you know, the things that Tanya has been like evangelizing and before this role, the flipped classroom, the blended learning, the, you know, individualized education, the project-based learning. I think that now um, a lot of this work that we've been supporting for years, it's like people are like, oh, yes, that's, that's so useful right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in that case or in that sense, a lot of these tried and true best practices that people have been developing for a decade and longer, um, people are now actually like out of necessity, they're really going there. So they're like, you know, the flipped classroom model is like your students are engaged with materials or video, like, a, you know, Khan Academy is what a lot of people think of. Mm -hmm. They, they understand the content or they're exposed to the content. Then they come into the classroom and like they jump right into it or you're doing the homework with your teacher in a small group. And so mm -hmm. that, I think some of that is, is beautiful and teachers are now just really being pushed to adopt some of these great practices around the integration of technology, which are really just great. It's just great teaching, you know, mm -hmm. great teaching with technology is great teaching. Mm. Um, so I hope I answer your question, but I'd love to hear Tanya I'll talk. <laughs> well, first of all, I, um, I'm glad you asked that. Um, I'm actually a bit emotional today. And, um, you know, my, uh, I was a little late. Part of the lateness was, was a, and it's, it's, cr it's crazy right now. Um, with, as you can see, <laughs> with, with, uh, you know, having my kids home and, and, um, kind of trying to figure out, you know, you know, how to keep them busy. Um, and, and then there's like that, that guilt of like working all day and like, you know, having my children and they're not even in school right now. And when you brought that up about, you know, how we look at our children as these like vehicles, it, it really struck a chord because I think very often we, you know, and I'm looking at, I live in Florida. Okay. And I'm, I'm kind of following the news right now and I'm following what's going on and what people are saying about like, just open the schools. The kids have to have be in school. And, and then I wonder like how much of that is really like taking to account, like what is going to be best for our kids 
in this situation. Like, and it's a tricky situation because it's not the same for everyone. You know, like it's, it's so hard. There's no like right answer right now because every child that's coming to us has a different story. Every family is in a unique and, and, and we don't know what's going on in their homes. We don't know if they're working, if there's trauma, like there's just so much that goes into play with this situation that like, it, it's, it's, it's heavy, right? It's, it's not, it's not an easy conversation. And in my head, I'm constantly fighting like with my thoughts of like, I think this, and then I think this, and, and I don't know where, how to feel anymore. I think that's what so many of us are, are kind of going through right now. But I do know this is true, this for, you know, for, as truth at unfortunately is that ultimately you know i was having a conversation just now with a a teacher that lives in my in my area and she's a public school teacher and the board last night and i live in palm beach county they met until 12 30 at night um they you know their board meeting went obviously very late and in the end they've kind of come to the conclusion that they're going to you know be in a remote environment for the beginning of the school year but testing will still continue Testing will still continue? What, what? Like, how then are teachers supposed to, I, I don't, I can't even have the words. So when we talk about what's best for kids, the testing is not what's best for kids. It never has been, mm -hmm. first and foremost. It's not what's best for kids. The testing is, is what is not great for, is not good for teachers. It doesn't help them see the individual student. And we're now going to have kids learning in a remote environment where we don't know what equity looks like. We don't know if they're taking care of their younger siblings, what access they have. They don't even have one-to-one, -one, you know, like in most of these districts. So like I, my heart literally goes into my throat and I want to like throw up because like, how is that fair for the kids? Mm. How is that fair for the kids? How is that going to be helpful when we're still putting these, and, and, and in my state, it's high stakes standardized testing. So then the teachers are penalized. Like it's so wild that I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Like there's not like, so maybe that's going to be reevaluated. Maybe it's too early to tell. Maybe they're just saying that now and they're going to have to reevaluate. You know, I want to like have the benefit of the doubt, but that's the first thing that pops in my head. Like that system is set up for our kids to not, mm -hmm. to like not be successful. How would you respond to like an administrator or someone uh, higher up in the system who says something like, well, then how Tanya, are we ever going to measure comprehension and performance and what have you, if we don't have these testings? Those tests um, don't measure comprehension. Mm -hmm. They measure how well you take tests. Mm -hmm. So the, those are not uh, accurate representations of student learning. Um, mm -hmm. To get accurate representations, you have to press record, not answer a four point multiple choice question. Mm -hmm. Like you have to hear from your learners. So they weren't accurate to begin and they are racist in the way that they're created. They're not equitable. Like there are so many issues with the tests in the first place that, you know, there, there, there are a lot more about money making and the test creators. And, you know, like we all kind of know this stuff, but like nothing ever gets changed. So like the, so, so like the reality is that those tests are not at all helpful for the learner. And so 
like, like I know that we're talking about COVID and I know, but like what's happened now when you ask the first question, well, mm -hmm. it's exposed on right. such a high level that like, we're not even having that conversation yet because we're still dealing with, you know, how are we going to get meals for, you know, millions of, like, we're not even talking about the fact that like, hello people, those tests, <laughs> when we come back, we need to rethink this system because mm -hmm. it was broken then and now it's really exposed as broken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you see, a question on that, do you see um, technology and these great tech titans that you both are part of or have been part of, Google and, and Microsoft and Adobe and so on, who are great companies, do you see that as salvation? Do you see that as an They're augmented? tools. They are tools that help amplify student learning. The salvation are the human beings that sacrifice their lives and dedicate their lives every single day. Those teachers that love those kids, that's what we need to invest in human capital, mm. invest in their learning, invest in the schools, the resources that they have access to. The tools are the tools. They provide opportunities for students to make their thinking visible, for them to share their learning, for them to, uh, for us to hear from our learners, like when they're used effectively, doesn't mean they're always used effectively, provides mm. them with a voice. Um, but ultimately it's the human beings in those rooms mm. that, that are going to be what's necessary that we need to invest our time and energy and respect. Because honestly, I, as a teacher, don't feel very respected right now with everything going on and the way that we're being told, just go and be your, you know, babysitter right now. You know, I just so, want to oh, go for it. I, on that on that note, so Tanya, this morning and yesterday morning, we led like these Google certified educator um, PDs um, that we've done for years, and like that is our whole intro. Is like it is it is not about the tool, it is not about the certification, it is about like there are these platforms that help us, but it is very much on the back burner. So uh, to just kind of answer that, like we're very, it's great that the tech companies have absolutely been putting their attention towards education, but the best partners totally take the backseat to the educators and the educators really like lead that. Um, and I just wanted to, to make that point that Tanya very, very accurately um, stated. Yeah. I want to jump in here too. One of our uh, listeners is saying we need to start with the mental health and well-being of children. And from a psychology perspective, that's what I think about also is you're right. It's not just about comprehension and information and retainment and learning in that way. It's also about attachment where how as a, an authority figure or a teacher, are you giving secure attachment and psychological safety to the kids who might not feel that outside the classroom and how yep. do you provide that and get that sense of well-being and socialization where they can learn how to uh, work on their social skills, their emotional intelligence which is such a big part of children and growing up, not just the information and the standardized testing, as you say, Tanya, but the whole human being. How do we educate the whole human being in the classroom? I would love to hear where you see the future of that going compared to where it's been. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, Jojo, do you want to take that? <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're both reminding me of something one of my, one of my grad students um, said when we were meeting and we were having just like a mental health check-in and she said, 
She said, I'm really tired of hearing people say we're all in the same boat together. She's like, we're in the same storm, but we're in very different boats. And I, that just like, gives, I was like, mm. wow. Ooh. Like our, our kids are experiencing this in so many different ways. Mm. Um, and Rick, we'll get to the future but like that is the mental health state of our kids right now who are in one apartment with like their siblings, with family members. And then they're supposed to be doing, you know, the, the synchronous check-ins with their, their teachers. It's really hard, you know, it's really hard for the teachers too to get good at that and to be like, how do I check in with my kids emotionally when like that's the reality um and in the in urban environments where you know it's two-thirds of new york city um the population of new york city rent apartments um so they're vulnerable mm -hmm. as renters right now they live in apartments they don't have the space um so this is where like and tanya i want to hear your thoughts like so um i've also heard some great exciting educators say we're not ready like there's a lot of people in our society that just want things to go back to normal because there's a lot of comfort in that educators don't want things to go back to normal we want to be able to go back to our buildings we want to be able to get our lives back but we do not want to go back to the way that things were um where classrooms have looked in some places the same as they did in the 80s the 1880s <laughs> the 1980s uh, um so, so that's the piece of like, where are we going in the future? And then where's that leadership uh, and who's going to lead that and which school districts are going to innovate right now and take chances, you know, and jump off the cliff and say, we're going to try to do things very, very differently. And Tanya, I don't know, you're exposed to a lot of like different districts. Are, are you hopeful? Are you hearing things of some school districts that are, are ready to catapult into a, a new a new world i think and i do work with a lot of different school districts fairly large ones uh, across the u.s and i think right now school districts are really just trying to meet the immediate needs of their teachers and their students i don't necessarily think if i haven't spoken to any districts that are like you know, all right, like, let's talk about six months or like a year from now. I think we're very much, including, you know, I think all of us are kind of in survival mode because we don't really know what, you know, you, you hear about numbers. And that's why I said, like, I go back and forth. Like, I think about like, I feel like, okay, no, we shouldn't open. Uh, but I think it really depends on like where the numbers are. I don't think it's a one size fits all. I think, you know, we really need to look at individual, uh, you know, even within large school districts, look at individual potentially areas. Like I, I, I don't have the answer. The reality is we're all, and including the districts, like, like we're, they're, they're struggling to figure out where things are. So it's so hard to kind of look into the future right now. I, I do know what I'd love to see in an ideal world. And I can definitely, you know, give some insight into that. And, and, and for me to, to say like in the future, I would love to see it being a lot more student driven, really 
building empathy and understanding of who our learners are a lot more personalized learning um you know where kids get to choose pathways and where their um learning um needs are met based on where they are like i i'd love to see the environments um that they learn in not look like uh you know they did in the 1880s where there's funding attached to the buildings that they walk into every day where they're not um you know where they're treated like humans where we invest in them um you, you know and not just the ones that live in areas that can afford it but all of our learners so i i think that that would be my ideal like and that's not shedding anything that we haven't kind of had those conversations around but like that's what i would love to see in the future um for schools and do i and it seems idealistic do i know how we're going to get there or what that's going to look like no i i don't um sorry go, go. No, I was just going to add to that point. It almost, you've touched on a really important point. It almost feels like, and this is universal across every country on the planet, you know, having studied in three, three different countries, myself from a young age to, to now and educated at different levels, the classroom has always been this sort of a broadcast environment. Almost, it feels the word factory comes to mind. It feels like the robots walk into a factory. In this case, you're not paid to do your job. Someone broadcasts and says stuff to you, and then you shake your head and you fulfill uh, your responsibilities as a learner and you walk out again. And actually, if you think about the learnings from the startup economy, it's such a simple um, learning. Change the environment. And people take the mickey out of beanbags. I'm not saying it has to be beanbags, but open environments, free environments, uh, environments that environments that encourage expression. So you can walk around the corridor, and it's not it's not like you know the the the, the water machine is always at the end of the corridor. I mean, there's no there's no form of innovation or uncertainty that we we are. Uh, demonstrating inside a school environment that makes the child feel like, oh, this is this could be an expedition of sorts. We almost have to force experimentation because the environment we've created is so rigid. It's so certain. And so when you look at technology, the point I want to raise is when you guys look at the, the cool technologies, the AR, VR, the artificial intelligence, that is the root enabler of personalization right? Technology helps personalization massively. If I'm able to fill in some, um, answer some questions, you're able to assess my mood, look at my energy levels, um, do some other deep analysis, to use deep learning to try and understand my psyche as a student, as a child, you're able to then put forward a course that's akin to my learning style. I mean, it sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. But the education system, which is the core of what we are today, um, is still living in the 1880s. You guys are pivotal. You're pivotal because you're working with companies that are driving this change. And I believe technology and, and education are going to be like this, integrated. I do believe, you know, Microsoft and the local school or the NYC districts or a Google or Adobe or Facebook and all of these companies with flesh, you know, flushed with cash have to go work with the education system right it's going to happen and it's not because they want to i guess they have to and with that in mind with that in mind a lot of people a lot of listeners a lot of parents a lot of educators um a comment has come in which talks to what you both have touched on which is the pandemic julie shah said the pandemic has really shown how severe poverty is several kids using a mobile to access learning from home 
right? That's in the UK. Uh, you know, this individual's in the UK. How does it, how, what are you seeing? Because technology can be abundant. You can have all the tools in the world and you can feel like, oh my God, I've got so much choice. But there's simple things around safety, around provision of food, around domestic abuse and violence at homes, around the uh, the size of your apartment, to your point, you know, do you actually have a space where you can study? I mean, I've got parents who are office workers who are complaining, oh my God, I can't even take a conference call. What the heck? Hey, listen, Bob, go study in the other room. But dad, I don't have another room. Oh, you know, so this, who wins this when you've only got two, two rooms in an apartment? Is it the person who's putting the food on the table, who's paying for your private school bills, kid, or is it the child? Um, and if this is going to continue, as you guys say, question mark. Um, <laughs> what the, the one thing you just had me thinking right there in these remote times, it's not only education that needs to change. It is what does it look like for adults working and that like this has to become more symbiotic. Like you need to not be expected that you're working an eight to six day where you're getting on conference calls all the time and you're going to have this like sacred quiet space that is not realistic for for parents and families um yeah i don't know you you said a lot there um i do I, there's a there's a quote that i like to 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 use um is that technology will not replace educators but educators that use technology will replace the ones that don't. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that. Um, but really, like, the more, um, it's the human interaction and the teacher, like the role of the teacher is changing. It's not the teacher, you know, the teacher as coach, like there's a lot to this. Mm -hmm. Like the mm -hmm. teacher is, is really like in the back of the room, like orchestrating this like dance where they're working with some kids. And then, yeah, some other students can be over here in a pod working on a project. There could be some technology in there. It's not really, it's not even really about the, the technology as much as just like that, like that really, I mean, when you walk into a teacher's classroom who really has this, where they've got the table in the back and they're working with a group and then they've got another group over there working and another group over there and the mm -hmm. students are all collaborating, that's mm -hmm. beautiful. Sometimes mm -hmm. technology really helps, uh, but I've seen people do it without. Um, and that's just great teaching. You know, that's the, you know, those teachers, Tanya. That's like oh, the yeah. beautiful. They're artists. You walk, it is. It's like the kids know what mm -hmm. to do. They know how to get their pencil and go to the bathroom. Because when you start out as a teacher and technology doesn't necessarily, that's what destroys you. Is mm -hmm. like, how do you just have the mm -hmm. like, the students know what they're doing. They know how to interact with each other. And you become, you have a smaller role. You're not just like up there in front. Um, I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent. The technology really helps. Like mm. differentiated instruction. That was like the big buzz when I came into New York City. And that was like, how do you, as a fourth grade teacher, have four different levels and you're meeting all these kids' needs? Mm. The integration of technology has saved me and my ability to be able to do that. Um, mm. But it's not, you know, it's not everything. It's very hopeful. I think there's a lot of concern around the Microsoft, the Facebook, the Google, and where they're coming into education. Um, they can be great partners. I work with them as partners. Um, but there are teachers who are very concerned of like, 
ultimately, you know, what is that influence? Will it be an oversized influence or will, you know, the teachers be at the table? Mm. And there's also a fear more technology means more monitoring. Definitely. Right. <laughs> For sure. We're right. hearing a lot of that right now of like, oh, well, you can see what I'm doing, you know, and uh, some of it's, is so just, I'll um, just say at Adobe, we don't see anything. I could tell you that for <laughs> sure. Cause I, I have zero data, which is fine. I'm happy for that. But like we, like the, 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 the when, when it is set up through, you know, Copa and FERPA compliance and like when things are at code, so to speak, like the, there is oversight if it's done properly. And I, I can guarantee you that, like, I don't, I cannot get any information. So, uh, what I also, what I see in here to the to the way that I interpreted that question was where it's like, well, then now the administrator oh, can see what the teacher's doing, right? And have that kind of oversight in a way that just makes right. people nervous. Um, right. Yeah. You, yeah. Jojo, you had mentioned something to me a while ago that, and I won't name the company, but that certain companies will put out their software for kids to play with and it's free and it's sponsored and what have you, but then the company gets to benefit to see, oh, how do the kids work with our products? You know, so I can't even remember that, but yeah, no, I mean, sure. Yeah. Like the, the app, absolutely. Like there's free beta um, testing basically. Completely. Yeah. If it's free, you know, as one of my colleagues says, pay me now or pay me later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that are out there that are free, but there, there has to Tanya's point, um, and in New York, I've really seen it. The, the regulations around student data, there's been a massive step forward, mm. um, which benefits all of us. And it benefits the companies too. It benefits absolutely yeah. like that. There's a, there needs to be, we need to have security over students' data. That is like the mm. next frontier as well. Mm. And we're still in like early phases of like how to really ensure that here's one thing I want to get to really quick to me, you both are incredible visionaries. So I want to tap into that right now. Where do you each see the future of the classroom? What are you hopeful for? What are some of the leading edge trends that you're tasting and sensing around the corner? I'd love to hear from each of you just a bit about that. Sure. I will. Um, Go ahead, I, Tanya. Yeah. So I'll just say this, like what I'm definitely seeing, which is exciting in a way is that I think educators um, who might have been resistant in the past to the effective uses of technology, like maybe who just didn't think like, I don't want to do this, like, you know, I'm good, are starting to see like, and I mean good teachers, I don't mean to disrespect those teachers. I mean, like, now they're starting to see like the value a little more. I think that there's a lot more um, excitement around what's possible with some of the tools in a, in, a, in a meaningful, powerful way. So I think that people are a bit more open. And I also think that people also recognize that it's not going to go away, that like technology now is a big part of not just like students' lives, but like just our lives in general, that like as we move to remote on the drop of a dime, that technology is what has facilitated us to continue at least at a minimum our economy like if this had happened 20 years ago I can't even imagine where we would be because like online 
like the ability to still do business, to be able to work, to collaborate is only available because of technology, because that we're where we are now. So I do think that that will definitely impact the way that we look at teaching and learning moving forward. And I also think a silver lining and I like, like, I, I hope I, I don't come off as, you know, insensitive, but I do think that people now are going to walk away with a lot new, a lot of skills hmm. that they did not have four months ago. Yeah. I know, uh, like I know New York city, like they were doing PDs, like holy smokes, like round the clock. Like I have to give you guys props. Like that's incredible. Like that yes. you had like, like, I don't know. I don't even know how you guys did it. It's mental. I've never seen anything <laughs> like that. And I, I'm not just saying that because JoJo's here. Like, it's really impressive. It was mental. Machine, like, go. And, like, like how it was just, like, overnight. Like, and school districts, like, like these teachers, I want to cry. Like, our educators, like, for the most part, like, teachers really care about their kids. Like, they, they're, they really want to advocate and do what's best for kids. And so, like, people, like, working from home, we're teaching remotely, learning new skills, having to not just, like, reimagine like your class but like your curriculum the way you teach like everything overnight and manage like a crisis it's not easy and i know so many teachers you think that they're off no they're not off they're reading books they're joining conferences they are uh you know like they're learning so you know the the reality is like i think moving forward when you say what is my vision what you know i think that we're gonna be 10 15 years further along in the last six months than we would have been in terms of understanding of what's available, technology integration, strategies around blended learning. Um, uh, I think we're going to be able to have better conversations going back about what is the purpose of school? What should the school environment look like? How can we reimagine that experience? I think that parents have a newfound respect for education. So I think that there's definitely moving forward going to be at least conversations that we could not have. Do I know necessarily what they're going to look like? No, but I do think that there's going to be a lot more open conversation. Fabulous. <laughs> um, I, I, I have a couple things to add. Um, for one, I'll tell you what, having grown up in the Northeast, I'll tell you what students and teachers are really afraid of is no more snow days. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. People are like, oh no, we're never going to have a snow day again because now we know how to do this. Yes, yeah, um, you're so right. There will never the, be a snow day. The snow day, the snow day is a beautiful experience for no, educators and kids. <laughs> yes. So that, that's, on the, that's on the negative side. Um, but I totally agree. And I, and I do a lot of PD with teachers. We have gone at least five years into the future um, of just the adoption, you know? Like, we used to kind of say, like, oh, yeah, we, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. Like, the 20% are adopting quickly. They take chances. The 80%, you know, there's different, different, different layers in there. Um, everyone has just jumped forward. And I do think, like, the role of the educator as facilitator or coach, um, we're going to be so much more advanced and how we do that like now teachers will come back in and they will know how how can i integrate technology into my classroom so that i can facilitate i can make that beautiful orchestra around the room where i can pull a group of kids i can have some kids over here engaged 
I know how to now keep eyes on it, give feedback to that remotely. Those are really positive um, possibilities, you know, from, from the time that we've been in. I want to make one really quick connection here because I'm in more in the business space myself and I'm in a way training and coaching a lot of leaders and managers, but you're helping me see a thread that I never really connected before that whether it is teacher as coach and facilitator or a manager as coach and facilitator or leader as coach and facilitator, that is really the skill set that I'm seeing come to the foreground in a way that I never really saw before as a whole movement around what does it mean to be people leaders? What does it mean to lead people? What does it mean to facilitate I, growth, right? And facilitate intrinsic motivation and get them to rise to their best self. And I'm just seeing how that is really becoming embraced in the business. And now I'm hearing educational space as really that new paradigm where just directing uh, information or just directing activities or um, outcomes is, not, is nowhere near alive or enough. It's not relational. And that there's an, another um, hunger around connection and integration and relationship that's really being asked for in these different spaces right now. And one thing that I've seen also that's positive, it was hard for us to get people to, jo to join like a remote professional learning opportunity, like remote PD. Um, and now that's over. And I'm, I'm really curious, like when, you know, and I can't wait until we can go back into, um, some parts of the life, uh, so many parts of the life um, that we're missing right now. Um, but I'm really hopeful that learning will continue to happen remotely and people will, uh, will, will engage in that way. And that will be great for our kids and for our, for our educators if we, mm. if we can keep that alive. Mm. I, I had two, two points. One was related to the fact that this is seismic change. We're talking about seismic change in a system outside of the individual participants and actors here that we've referred to, we need to drive change across the entire system, top down, bottom up, right? Okay. One, one very controversial point I want to raise and get your feedback on is salaries. And for a long time that I, since I remember educators and teachers in schools are paid crap money. And, um, it tells you how you respect education, right? But the businessman or the commodities trader is paid shitloads more. And so, Technology, no technology, the world before or after COVID, one of the biggest changes I think we need to make is that we need to recognize that educators of our children, we pay tons of money for private school or, or whatever it may be. Um, and if we're, and as parents, if we're appreciating the value of education, and one of you referred to that point earlier on, then what, uh, the, the two parts of this question. First is, do you accept that, and I don't know if this is the case in the US, that salaries and compensation and the way we look after and recognize our educators is, is rubbish. It's crap. It's bollocks in the UK, as they say, is that the same in the U S number one, number two, what can a teacher do? So you, we're making some profound points here and it's inspirational, energetic and loads of teachers listening in. So what should they do on Monday? What, what do you want the teacher to do now outside of doing PD and learning and being responsible and being an enabler? Can they change the system? Um, or do they wait for it to happen? What are your, what are your, the second part of your question I can speak to, I'll let Tanya speak to the first, okay. uh, but like, what can teachers do? Like I, the, what I get excited about and what I get hopeful about is when I see teachers that have agency, they have ownership of their profession. 
Um, and having been a teacher who didn't have that, like I, it was when you are, when you are a worker that is very stressed, um, it's hard to just kind of come to that place. And, and this is why I used to think teaching like, oh, I had this natural ability for it. As you say, bollocks. Uh, <laughs> it, is a, it is an art. It is a, a, a skill that you develop and you learn how to do. Um, and I think with that comes, you know, the agency. And like educators with agency um, have a lot of power um, or can. Um, joining professional learning communities is something that Tanya has done forever. That is something that I see in New York. Like teachers who organize with other teachers around learning um, and learn how to just speak about what you do with passion, people will listen. Um, have a plan come with a plan uh, and others will follow you because a lot of people are like right now, especially they're, we're looking around like, what do we do here? Yeah. Um, and so educators, you know, I, I think though, like taking advantage of the, of these times to, to connect with other educators is a phenomenal thing to do. Learning like teaching can be a very isolating experience. Um, connect with people in your district and in other districts, it's a very like powerful time to do that. Mm. As far as the pay and all that, I don't know, Tanya, what's your take on that? Uh, look, I'll say Having this. worked in multiple countries, Yeah, right? and, I, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say this as Tanya Averick, uh, as a teacher. Um, I, as a teacher, it was very frustrating paying for my class supplies out of my own pocket repeatedly all the time. And I've worked both public and private. Um, and just because you're in private doesn't necessarily mean you get resources either. Just FYI, um, as a or, pay, or paid better <laughs> or pay better. Actually, I think in some or most cases, oh, yeah. worse. worse. So I, I look, I, I'll speak as Tanya Averett, like that is really bad. It sucks. Um, it sucks to need Kleenex, um, in your class and not have the supply of it. Um, when, um, so, so, you know, when we were talking about like, oh, we're going to go back and we're going to send the kids, you think the teachers are going to be equipped with the right materials, the, the, the amount class. of hand sanitizer. Yeah. Like that's, that, that doesn't even happen when we have funding. Like we're not really like, so, so like, you know, I think it's kind of like the question, I, I think we all know the, the answer to that question. Like teacher, it's hard. It's hard being a teacher. I think there's an assumption that you only work 10 months. It's not true. Most teachers have summer jobs um, because they have to offset their salaries um, because they're not enough to um, live, especially if you are a single uh, income home or the main breadwinner. So it's, it's hard. You know, that's why teachers are so incredible because um, you don't go into education to, to be wealthy. You don't go into education. I mean, yes, there's, there are some, like, listen, there are people that, and depends where you live, by the way, there are some places that pay teachers better than others. Like this is a, it's hard to have a blanket statement. Like it really varies from state to state, uh, from country to country, how they're valued. Um, and so, you know, I'll, but I can speak as myself. Yeah. It really sucks to not have the resources that you need to do your job effectively when it comes to, and then what ends up having is teachers are, are good humans. So what do we do? We go out on our own and we just 
spend the money. And it's not like, right? Like, it's like, we need it to do our job and it's just easier. Like, I, I want to cry. I see so many teachers with wish lists on Amazon and uh, that are, like, they're hustling. They're hustling, but not for them, for their kids. Should they have to do that? No, absolutely not. We should have resources to be paid a, uh, a wage that's livable, like in some places uh, and not have to invest our own money um, constantly to do our jobs. There is no other place in like, it's so funny, like getting teacher, like getting pens for teachers is like, like you're giving them a car. You know, like you ever go to a, a conference, Jojo, you, you know what I'm saying? You go to these ed tech conferences. Pulling up the bags. And I've worked the booths, like behind, right? As in the tech side. And yeah. like, the, you know, the teachers come with the bags and they're like, and they're like so excited to get pens and squeaky wow. for their kids. And it's so sad mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. like, that's the reality of being a teacher. And it's like, it's like a, we laugh about it because this is our reality and we live in it, but it shouldn't be that way. It's not okay. Um, every teacher will tell you that it is not okay. And it is not okay for our kids. Forget right. even the teacher. Like, how is that okay for uh -huh. our kids that they're not resourced with their, and so yeah, in schools where PTAs are there and they have, you know, the, the, the community that rallies, yeah, those kids are fine. The, those parents are going to raise the money they have more, but that's not mm -hmm. equitable by no stretch of the imagination mm -hmm. is not equitable. And so even because just because like your public school seems okay, doesn't mean that that's the case everywhere else. So right. You know, again, and then, you know, then you tie, the, there, this is such a loaded question, because then you tie in teacher pay attached in high stakes areas where like testing is attached to teacher pay. So, so you mean to tell me that the poor areas that like were, were like, like the socioeconomic status of my kids, where their parents are working two to three jobs, maybe they don't have family members at home to, you know, like, we don't know the situation, but like the kids who might need the most resources who are not going to score as high, those teachers are going to be penalized because those kids have extra needs. Like, I can't like that. All of that is, is, and it was hard for me. Keep in mind, I'm Canadian. It's a different system. I moved to a different system and was kind of figuring that out and adjusting. So it, it's, again, I'm not, I, I'm speaking as Tanya Abra. These are all my observations. These are the things that like I, I see. And, and, and when you ask me, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's really hard as a teacher to, to watch all these things happen and then be in the middle of it. Because ultimately, what do we want? We want what's best for our kids. We're fighting to do what's best for our students in our classes. So there's that. Now, what can I do as a teacher tomorrow? Well, first of all, I'm, I agree with what Jojo is saying. Like, I have a network of educators that I connect with that keep me sane. Mm -hmm. I'm on social media, mm -hmm. I I join, you know, organ I join groups like, you know, I'm a Apple distinguished educator. I'm a Google innovator. Like all of those things are not because like I wanted to have a badge. It was because I wanted to be part of a community of educators that were as excited about teaching and learning as me and I sought that out. So <laughs> Like that could be something that a teacher can do is seek out communities where there's positivity because this stuff that we're talking about 
it can really drive people down into a really negative headspace. And it's the kind of stuff that we try as teachers and Jojo, I don't know if you agree with me on this one, but like we try not to focus on because the reality is it, it we can't control it. Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, like that's all of those things are out of our control. So we have to make a choice of where we want to go. So we, like for me, I choose to, to look at the future. I choose to look at how can I make a difference? How can I elevate the voice of teachers? How can I elevate the, the voice of my students? And how can I co- co- collaborate with communities that wants to impact change? And I think that is where we need to kind of go and think forward. And through those conversations, and not to say we shouldn't have the conversations, but through that the action, hopefully we can make that change a reality. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fantastic. The reason I asked the question was related to empathy. I think I, for, for far too long now, parents, and I'm gonna to come to parents in a second to get your guidance, parents who are detached from the education system as in their helicopter parents or they've outsourced education whether they pay for it or not they're like well i'm sending my kid to school surely you should be learning something young man or whatever it may be that attitude right still exists and i think if you don't have an educator amongst your family or your friends you can't relate to this so we're taking it for granted because we're in the in the zone where we've got tribes that we're connected to and we're in education but actually a lot of people are not in education don't get it and i asked you the question because empathy is terribly important because if you can't understand what a teacher is going through and trying to hoard pens at an event and merchandise and and spend the little bit of money that they've got in disposable income to buy mugs or whatever it may be because they want their kids and their students to have the best opportunities like a parent would uh, that stuff gets missed and lost in translation, right? Um, that's your dog barking, which is great. Uh, this is human stuff. My, my, my other question to you both is about parents. What advice would you give to parents at this point? What are you learning from, from the ground up? Um, what are the good practices? Um, you know, what should parents do now? So I have some thoughts as a parent and as an educator. Um, it's challenging too, because I, I go I go to both places where I'm like, I'll be that like demanding parent and I'm like, wait, wait, be patient. Um, I do think that parents and families getting involved in their schools, period, is just like a beautiful thing. Like get involved, go in there. If you have access to contacts, to privilege, to interesting people be proactive and like bring that into the classroom um and teachers great teachers um will be very proactive about that some teachers and i remember being one of them it's like whoa this is my space here like am i ready to open it up but like ask your teachers ask your kids teachers like how can i support you and keep that like open you know there's so many different ways for that um that's my first my first thought is like teachers um, will benefit by having um, better relationships with families. And also, it's very demanding. Like, I remember, you know, when you do, like, having the time to connect with families is so hard to, like, juggle and balance. So be patient, uh, be proactive with them, ask them what they need and how you can support them. I think you'll be, like, off to a good, you know, a good start. Um, that's one thought, but I know we don't have a lot of time. Tanya, I'd love to hear, what, what do you advise? 
So, and I apologize if my dog's still barking in the back. I'm, um, I will say this. I think that you have to, and as you said, have empathy for the whole situation. Uh, when you, if you have a high school student, keep in mind that you're uh, the teacher that is teaching your child probably has like about 125 oh, students. Yeah. And uh, that's the reality of like middle school and high school. I, I, I like I'd be definitely out here, you know. Um, so keep in mind, like they're going to be doing the best they can. They're learning so much all at once. I think that there's this assumption, like oh, like they're just going to like they just assign and they like it's so complex when you're designing blended effective learning. There's so much that has to go into it. There's and there's a lot of learning that they're doing simultaneously and they're also being told from their bosses a hundred different things so like they're it's hard they're not it's not it's not easy um and 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 i i think also as a parent i think it's really important to recognize that like you're like do the best that you can like keep your kids uh, emotionally stable like i think that we should be focusing a lot more now on like the experience of our child now as being not one that was super scary and stressful but one that was um as 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 normal as we can make it i'm speaking as a parent um i i i don't focus so much on hammering in the learning now I, i think that like uh, like for my children, they'll be okay. And I try to focus on, on that. I, I think that's kind of where I'm at in terms of the, the, as tiny average, I can speak to that advice. That's great. Um, thank you both so much for your passionate insights, your experience. We do have to be winding up here, but how can people find out more about each of you if they want to learn more about the different things that you guys are blazing, the different trails you're blazing out there, where can they tune into each of you? Twitter's probably the easiest. Mm-hmm. So find Jojo Farrell on Twitter. Yeah. At, What's your... at, Farrell, at Farrell Jojo, F-A-R-R, J-O, capital J-O. So two capital J's in there. Okay. And Tanya, how can people find out about you? So you can either reach me on Twitter at Tiny Averth. It's probably the quickest and easiest way to connect. Um, I also have a live stream show on Thursdays uh, mm-hmm. with uh, my partner in crime at work, uh, Miss Clara Galan, and it's the Adobe Creative Educator live stream show. And you can find that uh, on Facebook if you go to Adobe for Education. It also streams on our Adobe for EDU channel. <clears throat> so we do a live stream show, and we, you know, we ask questions. We, we work with different educators. Um, yeah, so you can find us there as well. Amazing. And I just want to let everyone know out there, uh, next week we're going to be getting into uh, with a very special guest, Arun Kumar, who's the chairman and CEO of KPMG India, um, is the game over for globalization. Uh, and this is an interesting conversation around COVID as well, around globalization versus localization and that tension between the two. So we're going to go into that very deeply next time. But I want to say thank you both, Jojo and Tanya, um, on behalf of me and Af. We are both evangelists of the two of you for sure <laughs> moving forward. And thank you for the great work you're doing out there for the, for the world and the communities that you touch. And any ways that we can continue to support you at Straight Talk Live, please let us know. And uh, all of you listening in the audience, please send this over and replay this, the replays to your colleagues and people and teams who need to hear this, educators out there. 
Um, so great. So thank you all. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And thank you very much. Until next great time. Great talking to you all. Energized and enchanted. Love you all. Straight Talk Live. Over now.